Hey, welcome to Cross Creek On Demand. We are so glad you are here. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor. We created Cross Creek to be a church for people who don't normally go to church. And so we've designed our Sunday environment, including our online environment, to be a safe place where people can discover God's love for them. We would love to connect with you when you are ready. Go ahead and scroll down and you can click ask a question, ask for prayer. Maybe you could find out how you could get here on a Sunday evening to join us live. But we would love just to be a part of your journey in discovering God's love. When you're ready, we would love to see you in person. Until then, why don't you go ahead and click subscribe so you can be updated on Cross Creek's most recent messages. Thanks for joining us. Hey, it's good to see you guys. Welcome to Cross Creek. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor here. And it is just really good to see you guys. Thanks for being here. Uh, if you are new here, we want to give you a gift. Not just because, you know, it's, it's Christmas time, but because we love to give stuff. God loves to give, and we want to be like him, and we want to give. And so in the seat in front of you is a card that if you fill that out, some really basic information. It's a red welcome card. It's red. It says welcome. Fill out some really easy information about yourself, and then after the service, you can go to the lobby, and there's a table that says info. There's a big sign that says info. You can give that card to the person at the table, and we will give you a free gift. Now, there's also another card that we, we try to talk about just as much. It's the Blue Connect card. And with that Blue Connect card, you can connect with Cross Creek. Isn't that great? Yes. yes. Don't worry. We're, we're, we're getting going, guys. I know online you're ready to go. Thanks for watching wherever you are. But that Blue Connect card, uh, you can use that to connect with us, to sign up for a small group, to let us know what's going on. Maybe you want to get baptized. We can talk about that. But also there's a box where you can check that says, I have a so what about question. And you check that box with your name, email address, and on the back of the card, you can write any question you have about Jesus, about Christianity, about church, about life, anything, and we will get back to you this week, hopefully with um, something that could further the conversation. We designed this church to be a church for people who don't normally go to church, and with that, we want to be a safe place to ask questions, to explore, and so that's why we, we kind of put that together. Now, there's uh, something coming up that I want you guys to know about. On December 22nd, we are having our Christmas service. It's our, it'll be at the exact same time as right now. So like if you could make it here now, you can make it here on December 22nd. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, okay, good. You're getting there. All right. And with that, we don't, I mean, we want you here, but you know, things, parties, kind of a party, parties are more fun with people, with friends. And so at the info table, we also have some handmade invitations that you can fill out. You can mail to a friend. You could hand it to your friend, but just a way to invite friends and family to our Christmas service where we kind of can celebrate the, the, the proof that God is for us, that he came as a baby to, to grow and, and die for us and rise again. So that's December 22nd. I wanted to make sure that we got that in front of you. Now, wasn't that video annoying? That was... I was hoping that we could crank up that crying just, just a little bit more so it could be even more annoying and maybe just kind of play it more. It should be our ringtone, don't you think? That'd be awesome. But sometimes the smallest annoyances, see there's, there's a segue here, sometimes the smallest annoyances can really just ruin, ruin our day. How many of your days were ruined by that video? None. Okay. I don't know if we have the, the rights to show that online, so you might have missed out, but that's why you got to come in person, right? But it doesn't take much to ruin our day sometimes, if you think about it, right? Funny videos are fun. But sometimes it doesn't take much to ruin our day or maybe ruin a moment. See, we, 
you, and I, know, I don't know all of you personally, but here's what I know about you. You're doing the best you can, right? You, you do the best you can to get through each day. You, you get up on time, usually, unless you're one of those retired people that's like, oh, I don't have to get up on time. Well, you should because we need to, okay? <laughs> but you get up on time. This is, this is the good day. You get up on time. You, you don't yell at your kids or your spouse or your dog too much, you, you go to work, you do enough not to get fired and not to make th- you know, things just fall apart. You go home, you have dinner, and you go to bed. That's a good day, right? Nothing, nothing went wrong. That's a good day. No one died. You stayed married. The house isn't falling down. And hopefully you didn't scar your kids too much that day, right? Like if you can go to bed with that success, you've won. That's a good, that's a good day. But... Life never just stays plain and simple, does it? That's, that's almost a rare day, right? Maybe, maybe the kids get sick. You have car problems. There's in-law issues. Your spouse, once again, will not listen. Or maybe that's your kids. Depends on. Maybe it's both. Depends on you. Uh, maybe you're, you're, <laughs> you're ever be having a great day, or maybe, this happens to me, a great night's sleep. And then you wake up and, and you hear this sound that just makes, just makes you jump out of bed in utter fear. And it's the sound of your dog throwing up on the carpet. Yeah, you wake up to that? It's about once a month for me. Anybody want a dog? <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe everything's going good that day, that week, that month, and then your credit statement comes. And there goes your day, right? See, life often, I think this is kind of for all of us, life often seems a boring routine interrupted by frequent annoyances. Doesn't that kind of describe a lot of, if, if we're honest, a lot of our, our typical weeks, just this boring routine, same thing over and over, interrupted only by frequent annoyances. And of course, Fridays, which are great. Like everybody's working for Friday. And so with that routine sparked by some common annoyances, we try not to rock the boat, right? Try not to make things worse. We try to, try to keep our head down, try to get through, try to, try to avoid as much pain as possible in that routine, right? It's like um, you ever see NASCARs or race cars when they get in the wreck, right? There's a big wreck, but what do the other drivers do? They just kind of bear down and just, and just go straight. That's kind of like us in our days, right? We, we know there's pain out there. We know there's a wreck out there somewhere. We're just hoping it doesn't get us, right? Maybe you don't, maybe it's more like, um, you play Mario Kart ever? A third of you are going to get this. So when they, shoot, when they shoot the red shell, right, and you're hoping it doesn't hit you, that's what life feels like, right? There's a red shell out there trying to get somebody. Or maybe, maybe the Mario Kart, dodgeball. Right? Those who didn't get dodgeball are old enough to have played, those who don't get the Mario Kart are old enough to have played dodgeball in school. You know, when you're not feeling up to the game and you just kind of stand in the back hoping that you don't get hit? Nobody else did that? Me neither. Anyway, that's kind of what life feels like, right? You know it's coming, but you just do your best to avoid as much pain as possible. Now, there's a problem with that. That's not a good philosophy in life. Because here's the thing, when our main goal is to avoid pain, Life becomes plain and mundane. It's pretty good, right? 
I, I had it worded even, even more eloquently. Let's see if I, I try to write it down. When the goal that is main is to avoid the pain, life becomes plain and mundane. It's pretty good, right? Thank you. So if we're trying just to avoid pain, that's our goal in life, that's not much of a life, is it? If that's our goal in life, then it's, if that's our goal in work, work just becomes monotonous and boring. Marriage, if it's just, the goal is to not rock the boat and, and just keep the peace and never really you know, live life together, marriage becomes routine. Marriage becomes passionless. Hobbies become just momentary distractions. We only do the bare minimum it takes to survive. We never actually live. I think that's why often there's these, you know, these midlife crises you hear about or whatnot. Because they never had a chance to live. They've been playing it safe for so long that now they're like, well, forget it. I'm done being safe. And they just kind of go off all on the deep end. Never get a chance to actually live because they're just trying to be safe, trying to avoid pain. But what if, what if there's more going on behind the scenes than we know? What if there's a reason? What, what if there's more going, going on behind the scenes and we miss it because we're trying so hard to avoid pain and problems that we never actually live? We miss it because we resist it. What if the annoyances are actually opportunities? What if those annoyances that we're trying to avoid, maybe that pain that we're trying to avoid, are actually opportunities for something bigger? Opportunities to break out of the ordinary. I think we actually find the perfect example in, in the true story of Jesus' birth. In this, this little section in um, what we call the book of Luke. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible with you, totally fine. We're going to have everything on the screen. But Luke was a historian. He, he walked around with the Apostle Paul going around the Mediterranean, ancient Mediterranean, starting churches. And he went and investigated it, everything about Jesus' life. He went to the eyewitnesses. He had a chance to meet some of the, the main Jesus followers who actually were eyewitnesses of Jesus' life. And he interviewed them, and he wrote it down in an orderly account that we call the book of Luke, which he wrote probably only about 30 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. So when eyewitnesses were still eyewitnessing, right? And so he writes this down, and he, he records for us the story of Jesus being born. And it is one of the most boring things he ever wrote. It is, hold on, I know if you're like, oh my gosh, this is church, can't believe he said, just, just wait, it'll get better. But the, the actual story where he records Jesus being born is just so boring. In fact, it's one of the reasons I believe it's true. Because it's just so ordinary and plain. He doesn't sugarcoat anything. It's just, it's full of simple annoyances that somebody wouldn't make up. Right? If somebody was going to make up this story of you know, the chosen one being born to save humanity and he's coming to earth, wouldn't you think he'd spice it up a little bit if he wanted to make it up and be like, oh yeah, get people's attention? Like with um, Hercules, right? the story of Hercules is that his stepmom goddess Hera, when he was born, sent snakes to kill him, but he killed the snakes. Isn't that amazing? He must be a demigod, Right? Or um, the story of Athena being born, the, the, the goddess of, of Athens, Greece. Uh, the story is that she was born out of Zeus's head after he swallowed her mother. That gets your attention. That 
that's a good story. But the story of Jesus is just so ordinary. And instead of starting his story at least with something like once upon a time, right, which kind of gets our attention, Luke starts off talking about probably the most boring, ordinary, and annoying thing in the world, taxes. All right, check this out. We'll start uh, Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 1. Buckle up. This is going to be a fast ride. In those days, Caesar Augustus, not once upon a time, but in those days, setting it in history. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Are you on the edge of your seat? And everyone went to their own town to register. That's like a worse opening than episode one of, of Star Wars. Like, trade federation. Who cares about the trade federation? Who cares about taxes, right? Again, sorry, you online got the Star Wars reference, I'm sure. But it's not exciting. It doesn't make me want to keep reading taxes and this ancient Roman governor. And, but he, what's, what Luke is doing here, he is setting it up, setting up this story in history, as history. Like somebody living in that time, this 30 years, 30 years after the events happened, would be like, oh yeah, I remember that. I remember, I remember that census. I remember the census while Quirinius, or maybe the, the Greek might have said before Quirinius was governor. Like I remember Caesar Augustus, right? In fact, Caesar Augustus, real his, historical person, he was the son of Julius Caesar's favorite niece, kind of how he, he had the connections, and I'm not going to go into all of that. But he ruled as the Roman emperor from 27 BC to AD 14. One of his great accomplishments as, as emperor was improving the empire's monetary and tax system, part of which of improving that was getting an accurate count of the people in the empire and where they lived. And so he had three major censuses during his, during his reign and his reform. And he had a smaller census done actually in 3 BC to celebrate his 25th year of his reign and the 750th birthday of Rome. Some scholars think that's the census that Luke is talking about here. And Rome, being the smart empire, you don't become, you know, the strongest empire in the world by not being smart. Being the smart empire that they were, they let locals that they had conquered keep a lot of their local traditions. And the Jews were very tied to their tribal ancestry, their, their tribal history, the tribes of Israel. And so, most likely, people would go to their ancestral homes to register. Everyone went to their own, not, not yet, sorry. Everyone went to their own town to register, kind of keeping with the local traditions. Isn't that boring? I mean, it's interesting if you're like, yeah, I love history, but that's, that's okay. I mean, taxes and governors and dates, if there's going to be a quiz later, doesn't that make it better? See, it's, it's boring. And there's more. Verse 4. So Joseph, and we talked about that uh, last week, Joseph was the third most common male name of the time in Israel. So just common dude. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth, about, you know, 300, 600 people, in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David. It's getting a little bit better. Because he belonged to the house and line of David, King David, David and Goliath, David. He went there to register with Mary, the number one most common name at the time, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. 
again, on the edge of your seat, right? It's just so, so ordinary, so plain. And some things that, you know, just reading that, we don't know, but the people who were reading it, Paul, or Luke wrote it to, would know this. The journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem, about 80 miles. So on foot, about seven to 10 days. See, it's such, it's such a plain story that when you, when you picture it, especially around this time of year, right, when we're talking about Jesus being born, it's so plain that we've tried to, over the years, add things to it, kind of to, to make it more, um, more exciting, more, more, more special, more holy even, right? We, we picture Joseph and Mary on this night. She's in totally clean clothes, sitting on a donkey, holding her belly, contemplating, and Joseph is being the good husband, father, man, leading that donkey, right? And it's just so peaceful and serene. Sometimes they have little halos so they can see in the night. It's so nice, right? These two holy people on a lonely, majestic journey. Okay, in reality, have you ever tried to drive somewhere with a very pregnant woman for longer than 10 hours? And I'm not mocking, it's just reality. There's pressure on the bladder. And that's just driving. Try riding a donkey for 10 days with a very pregnant lady. Or being that very pregnant lady. Not fun. That's a lot of bathroom breaks. Right? And forgive me, they hadn't invented rest stops yet. So that's like squatting on the side of the road type of stuff, right? And donkeys didn't have seat warmers. They didn't have lumbar support. Seven to ten days. There's no way at that time for that journey they're traveling alone. They would have been robbed or killed. So they're, they're traveling kind of with a caravan probably. So no privacy. No personal special time to reflect on the majestic journey they're on. If it were you... We'll lay off on you. If it were me, you know what I'd be doing? Complaining. I complain when I have to drive to Kaiser. <laughs> I mean, because it's Kaiser. But I don't like to travel that far, right? Sorry, Ki- Kaiserites. Is that a thing? Is that what you're called? It's all right. We'll just call you Salemites and make you happy. Anyway, so I'd be complaining. Wouldn't you be complaining? That would not be fun. That would be terrible. But there's more. While they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Plain and simple. No fancy stuff. No smoke and lights. And, I mean, that's going to come next week. But again, it's just so plain that we've, we've added stuff to this story. Right? I mean, that's it. That's Jesus being born. We read the whole story of Jesus being born. That's it. There's no lamb and ox keeping time with some random boy playing a drum. Right? They're just there. There's no like victory over some selfish innkeeper that kicked them out and didn't know who they were. That's not there. That's all made up. It's just plain old first century birth probably in some cave. And while we're talking about a plain old first century birth, that probably had its own problems too. 
Not clean, not fun, no painkillers. I mean, is that how you would write the story of God coming to earth to fulfill his promise to save humanity? The only reason you would write it like that is if that's what actually happened. That's the only reason you would make it so plain, so ordinary, so annoying. Taxes, donkeys, pregnant bladders and mangers. Here's the thing. The ordinary will always eclipse the extraordinary if we let it. The ordinary will always eclipse the extraordinary if we let it. There's always going to be just this ordinary crashing down on us that forces us, tries to force us to not see that maybe there's something else going on. See, behind all of this, behind the whole journey of Joseph and Mary, there was so much more going on. This, all of this, this boring, annoying journey was all part of God's mind-blowing plan to save the world. See, 700 years before they took their journey, God had told his people through the Jewish prophet Micah this. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient Time, 700 years before they had to take, before Caesar forced them to take their journey to Israel, God said, the promised one who, who I've been promising, basically since Adam and Eve, the whole reason I chose your ancestor Abraham to start the Jewish race will come out of Bethlehem. And then it took 700 years for it to actually happen. See, God used all of this that we read, this, this journey of Mary and Joseph. God used the taxes of Caesar for the whole Roman Empire to bring about the central climax of all human history, of bringing Jesus, God the Son, in human form to offer forgiveness and eternal life to all of humanity. And it looked like just an ordinary, annoying journey to register for taxes. And so Mary and Joseph had a choice to make. They could have complained about the whole thing like I would have and missed all of it. They could have focused on the ordinary and missed the amazing. And here's kind of a side note for us. See, when we complain about the ordinary, that is the best way to miss the extraordinary. Focusing only on the ordinary, so much so that you, you're able to voice your complaints and think about how much you dislike it, really is the best way to miss the extraordinary that's going on all around you and behind the scenes. So they could have complained. They could have compared their stories to other stories around them. We talked about it a little bit last week. Uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth, Mary's Mary's relative. Uh, they, were, they were older, beyond childbearing years, as the Bible would probably put it. And 
uh, Zechariah was in the temple. He was a priest of God. And an angel appears to him and says, you're going to have a son and he's going to be great. And you're going to name him John. But because you doubt me, you're not going to be able to talk until he's born. And then everybody celebrates. Oh my gosh, I can't believe this angel. Everybody, the whole town knows about it. The whole city knows about it. And, the, and, and Elizabeth gets pregnant and they're like, this is a miracle. She's too old to have babies. And now she's going to have a baby and John's born and everybody celebrates. It's all over Instagram. Right? Everybody's liking it. While Mary and Joseph had an angel come to them. Nobody saw it. You have this young lady, pregnant, unmarried, in a small village, probably ridiculed. They're far from home. They've had to do this terrible journey. They could have compared their story. Why does why does Zachary and Elizabeth get that story? And we, we're stuck in this cave having this baby that was promised to be great, but it doesn't look so right now. Or they could have complained about and compared their story with that pagan Caesar. I can't believe this pagan Caesar who, who doesn't even believe in God is making us, the parents of the promised child of God in a body, the rightful king, of the earth, making us have to travel on this journey. Oh, man, when, when my son grows, he's going to get that, that emperor. Can't wait. They could have easily said, this is unfair. How come they get to do that? How come Caesar gets to be in his palace and enjoy all that nice food? They could have said, this is unfair, and missed the beauty of the most incredible moment in all human history. They could have compared and missed it all. Here's the thing. When we compare, when you compare, life always seems unfair. When you compare your life to someone else's, you're always going to find something better about their life, and you're going to miss the joy that's yours. Life's always going to be unfair. Why don't I have that? Why don't I have this? And they're probably comparing their life to yours and doing the exact same thing, right? When we compare, life always seems unfair. And so instead of complaining or comparing, they accepted their story. And they trusted that God was working behind the scenes. I mean, I, I, I picture it this way. It's not recorded like this, but then, then kind of saying to each other, look, God, this baby is God's. Like we, an angel said that you're going to become pregnant and it's going to be through the Holy Spirit and we both know it wasn't from us making a baby, so this is God's baby. He made this happen. He allowed Caesar to call for this census. We don't have a choice, but we have to go. And so we'll go because this is all in God's hands. We can trust him. We can trust him to take care of it. This, is, doesn't, this Caesar's census doesn't surprise God in any way. So we'll go with it. We'll choose to trust. They could have resisted all of it, but instead they trusted. And they experienced the most ordinary and annoying of circumstances turn into the most extraordinary story ever told. See, God uses the ordinary to create the extraordinary. Always. He uses the ordinary to create the extraordinary. And you know what's fun? Besides reading that story, 
before you have to open your presents on Christmas? It's the same for you. It's the same for me. Whether, whether you're a Jesus follower or not, it's the same for everyone. God is working behind the scenes for you. He's orchestrated so much for you. But see, we think, like we said, life is just this ordinary routine dotted by annoying problems. And so we, we complain, we compare, and we become more and more miserable. And maybe that's all we do, but usually we do more. See, we can complain, we compare, but then we take it upon ourselves to try to change the circumstances. Right? We, tr- we try to fix this and try to avoid the pain. And, and so we say, you know, we make these choices that we think are good for us, but really in the end we, we end up hurting ourselves. We end up hurting others. You know, we say, you know, Life, this pain, it's, it's mundane, it's boring, it's, but then there's all these annoyances, so maybe a new job will fix it. Oh, no, that didn't work, but maybe a new car, that's fun and exciting, right? A new house, a new spouse, a new mouse, a new church, maybe, that, maybe that'll fix everything. Here's the thing, and you know this, because you're... You're smart people. Those all new things that we're using to fix our boring and mundane and painful routine, all of those new things eventually just get boring and routine and mundane and annoying again. And so now, not only are you stuck in the same ordinary cycle, you've left a trail of guilt and pain behind you with absolutely nothing to show for it. See, the truth is, it's not about changing our circumstances. It's about trust and perspective. Really, it's can we trust that God is for us? If so, then we gain perspective. We begin to see the annoyances as opportunities. And see, this really is where where the ordinary becomes extraordinary. When we trust that, you know, despite all these these annoyances, these problems, God really is working behind the scenes. For me, um, I've, I think my best example for just in my personal life is, uh, I'm going to be as as, uh, vague as I can, but still make the point. So I used to have a job. There were annoyances in that job. There were things I wanted to change in that job. There were, there were opportunities to change my job that we looked into, but it never felt right. And we were just like, God, what are you doing? Like, why, why do you put this burden on us? Why do you let us see things that, you know, we, we want to fix, we want to do more of, but we, we just can't right now? And we, there was a lot of complaining. There is comparing, but there's also trusting and knowing that God is for us. God loves us. God has a plan for us. God is working behind the scenes. And with that, it, gave, it didn't just give you know, direction, but it gave meaning behind the waiting. 
It gave a purpose that there's more going on behind the scenes, and so maybe there's more being done for us and to us to prepare us. And that journey through jobs and whatnot brought us to getting to be a part of like the, the best job I've ever had, getting to be part of a church where people don't normally go to church where I can show Saturday Night Live videos before I preach. That's awesome. But the journey was just so ordinary, just so, just so plain. And so Jesus says, you know, we can, we, can, we can complain, we can compare, or there's another option. Another option than complaining, comparing, trying to fix the situation. There's a better option. In fact, this option is the reason Jesus was born in Bethlehem and died on the cross. In fact, in his own words, he says this. This is Jesus talking. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I, Jesus, have come that they, us, may have life and have it to the full. Other, other translations say abundant life. See, Jesus came to give us life, to give us eternal life that starts now and lasts forever. He came to give us eternal life and abundant life right now. Not easy life, not wealthy life, but extraordinary, full life. Not a life of, you know, what we think, what a lot of people think church life is about, like obeying all the rules and, you know, having a life just boring enough that God doesn't get mad so he'll leave you alone. Right? That's what a lot of people think people like me are trying to get you to do. But, see, God, Jesus came to give us a full purposeful life, a life of knowing that God is for you and trusting that he knows what he is doing. And maybe that full, abundant life means growth, means becoming more from every circumstance, gaining from every circumstance. Like, wouldn't that be a full, abundant life? Whether it's a good, a good situation or a painful situation, we are growing. We're becoming more and more loving. We're becoming more and more trusting of God and that he has things under control. Like, that's, no matter what's going on, that's a win-win, right? Well, yeah, this, this sucks right now, but I know that God is behind the scenes doing something. I know that these annoyances are actually opportunities for me to become something even more. So the question really is this, what are you missing because you're resisting? It's Christmas time, I'm going to rhyme. Wait, that rhymed too. But what are you missing because you're resisting? You're trying to avoid all that pain, trying to change things yourself, trying to compare and be like, well, how can I be more like them? What is God trying to do behind the scenes of your life? What aren't you seeing because you're too distracted with the ordinary, annoying problems? What if instead of complaining and comparing, we trusted and we watched? We trusted that he's doing something and that though we might not understand right now, we just watch for our part to play. We, we trusted that every day is, is another part of the journey in God's plan. That every day is an opportunity to step out of the ordinary 
and experience the extraordinary in the middle of all of it. And so you might say, well, that's, that's cool. I would love to do that. I'd love to have an extraordinary life. Play my part. What's my part? How do, what, what's, what, what do I even, I, I'd like to step, what's my first step? Where do you start? Trust. Might sound simple, might sound easy, but that's the first step in an extraordinary life is trust. See, to find your extraordinary in the midst of, of the ordinary and the annoying, just stop. Take a deep breath and ask, what does trust look like right now? What does trust look like? There's a great question that I think we should always ask is what does love look like? I think that's how we know what it is to follow Jesus. But I think the other step is what does trust look like right now? Starts with trusting that God loves you. That God actually does care about you. I mean, just like Mary and Joseph... God has orchestrated your life to bring you to where you are right now. None of it was an accident. Like the, the fact that your, your parents got together and their parents got together and their parents got together, all, all to bring you to this point, all to bring you to this, this moment even. He's orchestrated all of that. He's orchestrated all of that to show you he loves you. And he's using the stuff in your daily life to show you his love and his care. Isn't that extraordinary? Like when we can see that, that is an abundant, full life. And maybe, it's, maybe that first step of trust is just to hear this truth, maybe chew on this truth. Maybe not even accept it right now, but just be open to the idea that this might be true, that God loves you so much that he died for you and offers you eternal life simply by trusting him. Maybe that's a big step. Maybe it's being open to the idea that God is for you. He's he's for you. He's not against you. He loves you. He is for you, For for your abundant life, for your eternal life, for your relationships, for your future. He is for you. Somebody will come as a baby in a manger, grow up in ancient Palestine, and die on a cross for you. They're for you, right? So what if instead of letting the ordinary, annoying problems ruin our daily routine, we saw our lives as opportunities to be loved by our Heavenly Father and to share that love with others. That the annoyances were actually opportunities to be loved and to love. That each annoyance is another step on a journey that is being orchestrated from behind the scenes to bring you right where God wants you to be. Every annoyance is an opportunity to grow into exactly who God knows you will and can be. So trust. And watch. And wait. Because 
God's greatest work is often done in the most ordinary ways. God's greatest work in your life, in my life, in Mary and Joseph's life, in the history of humanity is often done in the most ordinary ways. We don't even see it until after. So trust and watch. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, you are a good Father. Thank you for being for us. Thank you for not wanting something from us, but wanting an abundant life for us. Thank you for giving meaning to those ordinary days, to those, those extremely painful days, that there, we, don't, we don't experience pain for no reason, for just it to happen. There's an impersonal force or universe, but that you give meaning to it, that you use it for our good, to grow us, to make us more like you, to bring more of your love to the world. So give us the courage to trust you. Give us the courage to take that step. Give us the courage to to take that breath and realize that maybe there's more going on behind the scenes than we can see right now. And then show us how much you care for us, how much you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I hope you guys have a great week, a week of trusting, trusting that when you send out an invitation for our Christmas service, somebody might actually say yes. But December 22nd Christmas service, but thank you so much for being here, and I hope you have a great week. Hopefully we'll see you next week.